This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with a two-time All-Star. He won three gold gloves in his career. He's now the face of MLB Network. We were teammates, and we've been buddies for a long time. Happy to welcome Harold Reynolds back to the podcast. Harold, thanks for coming on. Hey, man, new graphics, new look. You're big time. Excuse me. Big time. Got the got the uh, the gaming ears ear uh, headset. It's great. It's great. Style. Um, opening day this year, 2023. Everybody's talking all these new things put into place myself i was a big skeptic i didn't believe i was like oh they're changing you know less change is more for me um now we're in 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 late august give me harold reynolds take on the rules from pretty much the pitch clock but the two disengagements what's your overall take on it i love them i mean number one um the game had to speed up it was just taking too long. So to have two hours, two and a half hour games, it's nice. I like the pacing. Um, I like the fact that they're opening up the infield. Make guys have be athletic like you and I had to be. You know, I, I think it's made it a better game. The only one I had questions about, and I still do, is the stolen bases. You know, two throws over, and then you're free to do basically anything. Although I haven't seen – I've seen individuals, but I haven't seen teams take advantage of it. Can you imagine, like, with some of the teams you played on, Booney, if you knew that if he threw over twice, he couldn't throw over again, what your team would have done? That's that's the one thing I haven't seen is teams take advantage of that. Well, I couldn't imagine – for me, I would have taken advantage of it. But oh, yeah. then then let's get into the real – the real base dealers, Harold Reynolds, Barry Larkin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what you would have been able to do with that. It's almost like mocking you. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to, okay, now you're going to let me know when you're going to throw over. This is what I do guys. That's yeah. the thing to me. That's amazing is, but okay. Put that aside. Do you think though, the rule was put there for one reason to encourage base stealing for, right to get it back into the game, you know, 
they, they're yeah. speeding up the game. And now these kids today, it's not emphasized to run the bases, to steal bases. So let's make them do that. And the guy I see taking advantage of it is, you know, Julio's taking advantage of it. But the big guy I see is uh, Acuna in Atlanta. No doubt about it. But I think if you look at the Braves, you've got a staff who played when base running was prevalent. You got Ron Washington. You got Eric Young over there. Kevin Seitzer. Uh, who else? I, can, I don't want to leave anybody out. But there's Walt Weiss. Walt Weiss. You know, and Snickers been in baseball 50 years. So they've understood what we were missing as a sport with the threat of running. But I think where everybody's missing it, Booney, like I was watching a game yesterday. The Giants were playing a game. They get two runs in the ninth. They're up two. They're up now, first and third, no outs. And the runner never runs. If he steals, which they're not going to throw, now you bring the infield in and you blow that team out the water. They don't run. Batter strikes out. Next guy, fly ball to center. Guy dives. Runner thought it was going to fall. They double him up, inning over. They could have destroyed – I can't even remember who they were playing, but they could have blown that inning out. So there's there's a lot of strategy that comes with running bases. You knew that, hey, if I got Barry Larkin on in front of me, I'm getting a fastball, and I'm going to hurt him. You know, you, you were able to do certain things like that. Or, I don't know, it just changes the game. It changes how you think. Well, I think the culture, too, in today's game, it's just different. And I don't put – for 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 me or yourself to have a index card in our back pocket seems like from outer space. Like we would never do that. We were brought up in the game to, I'll tell you what, Harold, after two or three years in the big leagues, if a coach came out of the dugout and tried to tell me where to defend, I, I had a problem with it. Like, listen, I know what I'm doing out here. I study this game. I know who's on the mound. I know if a certain guy's on the mound and he's hitting his and spot. And it was expected of you to know. Right. So when I see the guys today bring the, the – I, I don't I don't look at them and go, how could you do that? This is the culture they're brought up in. This is right. how players are taught. They're taught angles. They're taught uh, positioning. So a lot of it you don't take in yourself where we were constantly thinking, okay, where do I need to be on this? When the, when the uh, ball's in the zone, I got to be in this position. I got to cover here, cover here. We were, we were aware of that as individuals. But if that's taken away from you and it's all, hey, we'll take care of that. You just hit, you just field. Well, then it's a culture thing, isn't it? Well, no doubt. And, and, I, and I, I've got a new phrase now. I always say it's not their fault. It's not their fault. They don't know any better. And it's almost like when you're raising your kids, right? And they drop something on the floor. You go into a room and it's a mess. And you pick it up because you don't want to deal with it. Yeah. What are they ever going to pick it up? <laughs> you got to pick that up because later on it's going to benefit them that they had to do something. So we take cards. We tell you where to stand. Then the ball's hit where it's not supposed to be. And guys aren't thinking two bases ahead. You know, they're not thinking the game. So you're almost like, I get it. They, they're, they're thinking they're giving the players a service, but it's a disservice. And then the last thing I think in talking with a lot of clubs and seeing how people are handling it 
is load management. And it's all the way down to the minor leagues. I get it in the big leagues. You want to make sure you give some guys days off here and there, whatever. And you want to try to guide them through 162 games. But in the minor leagues, minor leagues is about developing. And there's some organizations every Monday in the minor leagues is off now. So you'll play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, have a day off Friday, maybe even Saturday, play Sunday, then you're off Monday again. How do you get built up for a 162-game season if you're playing four days a week? Plus, it would be so frustrating once you get on a roll. Did you want to sit down when you got hot? No. Right. No. No way. I mean, that's almost a college schedule. Yes. And that's what we're we're doing. We're yeah, college plays Tuesday and then they play a weekend. Right. And that's the same thing. So we're we're bringing players up to the big leagues that have never played four days in a row or pitchers have never pitched back to back days in the minors. And now they're supposed to do it in the major leagues. So I think that's got to be fixed as an as a industry. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. It, it's so many things are frustrating for me uh, to watch. <laughs> well, don't be frustrated. It's okay. well, no, no, no. But I but I also embrace and enjoy a, a lot of it. Like okay, for the rules, I open up the segment with Her- give me Harold Reynolds' take. I'm a cynic. I I, I heard these rules, and my first thing was. Uh, I take pride in the fact that our game is the only game without a clock. Mm. You know, basketball, clock, football. Yeah. everything has a clock. We don't have a clock. And so I was kind of, no, we don't have a clock as major league baseball player. Now I see the clock and I see what it's done. I'm with you, Harold. I love the clock. I'm thinking this got us back being on this side of the microphone. Now a- analyzing games, it's much easier if I need to go back and watch a game. But, it but let me take throw this long. at you too, Booney, with the, with the, with the clock. And I'll go back to the old man when we were playing. If I was an infielder, which you and I both were, and the pitcher took forever to throw a pitch, what were you doing? Let's go, man. Throw the ball. Mm -hmm. You were screaming at him because now you're standing around forever. And as a hitter, you got in the box. You know, you were ready to go. Somebody knocked you down. You went, okay, let's go. You know, you want to play that game? Or they threw a slider that was nasty. You're like, okay, I, I got you set up. I'm ready you were in the box. It was just the rhythm of the game. And I think we've allowed by not having these rules for this long and then all the information these guys are getting fed, it was too much overthinking. I mean, it was way overthinking. So so you were a guy that would sit there with power. You had great power. And you would sit there and go, I'm going to sit on a pitch. And you would stay there the whole A-B with that pitch or the situation change or whatever. But that was your thinking, and you figured it out, and you were in the box. Now guys were standing out going, okay, uh, the percent is 2-1. He throws 80% slider. I guess I'll sit on that. No, let me – and, and they're, they're thinking about the A-B instead of being able to be in the flow of the at-bat. And that, that to me, is the biggest difference. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely, Harold. And and I used to go through, later in my career, second half of my career, I used to go through uh, a process as a hitter, and it was called five deep. So when I was huh. up fifth, and it didn't mean to start the game, but whatever I was going to come up fifth in the, in the order, I started, my brain starts going right now. Who's on the mound? What have I done this series? What did I do last at bat? Who's hitting in front of me? Who's hitting behind me? Who's in the bullpen? What's the score of the game? What part of the game are we in? I get on deck. My mind's still going. I got to a point where when they announced my name, Brett Boone, that's my cue of everything's gone. I've got my plan formulated. And it's in my mind. I stick with my plan. I do not waver. I'm going to give myself the best chance over 162 to be the best player I can be. Not everybody else, but me individually. In the second half of my career, I started to do that. And I'll tell you what. I found that each and every year I was the best I could be for 162. I think, you know, who kind of originally did that? I don't know if he talks about it, but I studied him for years. And why is he so good? Manny Ramirez. He is the most unwavering, disciplined hitter I've ever seen when he gets in the box. I play, I played with, you played with one of the greats, Edgar Martinez. Yeah. Unbelievably disciplined. <clears throat> And I got to watch him on a daily basis. And these are the things I learned. I watch the players today. I talk to great hitters off, off camera. I talked to Albert Bell, who's one of the best hitters ever, right. biggest run producers. <laughs> he'll call me sometimes. He's watching a game. He'll go, Booney, does he have any concept of what's going on in the game? You know, somebody will come up with a runner on third, less than two outs. First pitch, they'll throw at their neck and they'll hook it foul off the tarp. And Albert Bell will call me and go, Booney, it's called not having a clue. If there's a runner on second, nobody out. We're, we're, not, we're not trying to hit the ball a, a foul home run. It's just an overall awareness. I, it drives me crazy when people say it's tougher to hit today. If you make it tougher, it is. I understand right. that big arms in the bullpen that are, that are now – uh, formulated in the minor leagues. When, when we were coming up, uh, you were a starting pitcher, and if you weren't good enough, you went out to the bullpen. That right. was kind of your your punishment. Now you're groomed to be a pen guy from early on. I understand that. I understand velocities up. But don't tell me it's tougher to hit. I look at an arise in Miami, and he's hitting 360. Oh, it's not tough for him. It's just tough for everybody else. Right, I look right, at Shoei yeah. Otani. Is it just tough for him to hit 300? The rest of you can hit 220, and we could just say, oh, it's tougher to hit nowadays. I call BS on it. It's tougher to hit if you buy into that and you make it tougher to hit. I, well, I think angle, the one thing I so, see a lot, Booney, is, and this happens when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're guessing, so to speak, or you're, and you're not really sitting on, you're sitting on a pitch, but you're not, you get more specific the older you get. I'm sitting on a breaking ball, but I'm sitting on it in a spot. I'm sitting on it on a release point. I'm sitting on – I see guys go, I'm looking for a curveball. I know he's looking for it. It's in the other batter's box. He's swinging because they haven't got to that point of you can even get more specific 
on your sits. And so when you're given cadences or tendencies like they can today, I see so many guys swinging at pitches just to swing. That's that's not the approach. That's not what you're talking about. The thing for me, Harold, and I don't know if you ever did it, different being a switch hitter, I didn't have to sit as much uh, off a left-handed pitcher right? because everything's breaking into me. It was yes. those nasty righties with that breaking ball going away from me. If he, you know, if I'm facing a Pedro, sometimes I'd sit on the breaking ball just so I wouldn't be embarrassed. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you hear you hear in today's game, well, sit, just sit fastball and lay off the breaking ball. It's that easy, isn't it? I mean, that's what smart hitters do. And I look at guys that say that. I say, do you realize that we chase the breaking ball because we think it's a fastball and we're fooled? It's not that yeah. easy just to lay off the spin. Sometimes I would look for the breaking ball just so I wouldn't chase it because I couldn't <laughs> stop. Now you're throwing me fastballs and I'm taking them down the middle. But at least I'm not embarrassing myself. It got to a point with me where sometimes I'd have to do that to slow my mind down when I wasn't picking up spin on on the baseball. And and these are just tricks. And and what I did the second half of my career is I just looked around and I just listened and I watched and I learned and I and I saw what the great hitters, what did they do? Because yeah. they've got a form something's something's, you know, they're doing something right. Well, every, every generation has great hitters in that generation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, why are you not watching what Mike Trout does, what Mookie's doing, Freddie Freeman? You know, there's, a, there's an upper echelon. And, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with Mookie Betts early in the year, and he was hitting about 250, scuffling. This is early June. And it was basically, well, what do you see me doing? I go, you're not hitting line drives. You're going to hit 30. Your line drives turn into home runs. You're not using all your skills. I get trying to hit home runs, but if you get on, you're going to still second, third, scoring a ball in the gap, things like that. And he went line drives. I said, Mookie, you know what you hit last year on line drives? 704. When you hit a line drive, you hit 704. I said, why are you not chasing line drives? And then everything else is going to be added to it. And he went, line drives, huh? Okay. And he locked in the line drives. I see him at the All-Star game. He goes, line drives work. He goes, I'm going to give Acuna a run for his money. You know, Mookie's going to have 40 home runs, and he's going to be close yeah. to 300 by the year's over, and he's going to be in that conversation. Because batting average, even though front officers say it doesn't matter, there's not a kid in Little League on up who does not think their batting average matters. And so if everybody who's playing the sport thinks it matters, why are we not teaching chase your best opportunity to hit 300? That's line drives, 30 homers, and 100 RBIs. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? And now Mookie's going to score 100 and some runs. He'll have close to 200 hits. I mean, that's, that's what the game has always been foundationed on. Did you try to hit line drives, Booney? Without a doubt, I try to get a good pitch to hit over the middle of the plate and knock the crap out of it. And I don't talk about hit angles it as hard where as you it's could. Going. Right. And some days I get it up and it's a homer. Believe me, 99% uh, of the home runs I hit, I was surprised when I hit it. I was just trying to get a good pitch and hit something as hard as I can. And and wherever it's go, I always try to stay through the middle of the field. And I was. I was truly, every time I hit a homer, I was surprised. Like, whoo, that was nice. 
That was yeah. a bonus, you know. Yeah. I, I I did what I was trying to do, but I didn't try to hit a home run. Which brings me to a great. Uh, you're talking about average, and, and them cheapening the 300 hitter. I just had Albert Pujols on and, and he mm. kind of smiles and laughs. He's like, yeah, Booney. And they're telling me RBIs aren't important. Here's a guy that just drove in 2,200 RBIs, which is mind blowing to me. How many, yeah. probably, that's a Hank Aaron number. You know, <laughs> I never thought we'd see that again, but you talk about average and how important it is. Here's, here's my case for it. It's like on base percentage. I get it. Hitting the ball over the fence. I get it. Yeah, but who do you want up in the ninth inning against that closer when when the closer's in the game? Man, I need my three hundred hitter hitting that two twenty hitter's got no chance off that elite closer. That's not going to walk him anyway. When you talk about young players, you talk about what's important and what they're teaching these young players is important is hitting the ball over the fence and getting on base. I understand that, but I've never met a great hitter that thinks hit the ball over the fence before get a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on the ball. It's usually the reverse. If you if you have consistent good at bats and you have power, eventually those ball that's you're going to hit as many home runs as you can because of the quality at bats. When you think home run first, man, for me to think that in my mind, I got no chance. Your thoughts. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing, Booney, for our generation speaking to speaking hitting or principles or whatever. I've learned that you got it's, it's like teaching lessons. I'm just trying to pass on some knowledge. And so the next thing I want to touch on was hitting on the field. These teams don't hit on the field anymore. They all want to hit in the cages. And I get it. You know, on a day game after night game, take a few swings in the cage, good. But I've always believed hitting on the field lets you know what swing you got to take to drive a ball to right center field. Or did I take the right swing to hit one left center? That ball I just hit in the seats. What was that? They're talking about launch angle. I need to know what was that angle I hit that ball at. Where did I catch it at? You know, whether it was a line drive or a ball the other way. I used to, I think hitting on the field is so important because as the hitter, it tells you. Plus, I see the background. There's so many things that you learn from hitting on the field. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I understood the occasional day game uh, once a week. You're just going to hit in the cage, get loose, and, and strap it on. I, I get it. But consistently, I like to be on the field. I'm like you. I like to know how the ball's traveling. You know, just to get that depth perception, be out on the field, especially if I'm on the road. You know, not that I yeah. haven't played at, at Comiskey Park 30 times, but I haven't played there in a while. I want to get a feeling for my surroundings. Without a doubt, I think that was was important. And any chance, especially on the road, that first day in, it's like we got to hit on the field. Tomorrow, I'd like to hit on the field every day because I, I, I don't know. For me, it was part of it, it kind of clicked in. It's almost like playing golf. You go to the range, you get loose. That's your warm-up. But if you get loose indoors in a net, it feels a little different. Like, I'm yeah. not really hitting real golf balls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not top gun. It's top a, right, golf, right, say. right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, that, I don't know if that's a, a decent – if that's a decent – So, uh, as, as, we head down to, as we head down to the stretch, the season's ending. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of young players right now getting to the big leagues. And I remember the adjustments I used to have to make, whether it was lighter bat, don't hit, 
take just ground balls, very few, eat different to get you through that first year, the second year, you figure out how to get through the second half. What are some of your tips of getting through a full season to younger players? What I did is is down the stretch, and it's funny you talk about heavier bat, light bat. It makes the most sense to as we go through this long grind of a, of a six-month season, man, I'm going to get that light bat at the end. Well, for guys like me that swung as hard, and my problem was I didn't have to back up. I had enough veracity in my swing. It's like if I had a fault, it was like, man, you kind of swing too hard. So for me, late in the year, instead of going to the light bat, I went heavy bat, Harold. Went heavier. Heavier yeah. bat kept me I've in control. That. It kept me in control. So I'd go heavier bat. Uh, as far as the maintenance day-to-day, always try to keep with the eating program, especially the second half of my career. I became a fitness and, and eating uh, crazy man. Keep my keep my stuff going in that, in that capacity. And, and the maintenance, Harold, for me was just – keep stay in the weight room, you know, and it's only, it's not a, a full workout. We're not looking to, to add, we're just looking to maintain. So it's 15 minutes, but get in there four days a week. Those are the little things yeah. that I did when I was playing today. It's a different ball game. They got apps and how much sleep they need to get and what fruit they need. I would take advantage of all that. I mean, but I was that oh, type yeah. of guy. I'd be doing my blood. T- I'd be doing my blood test. And what's the best for me? What's the best protein? Is it meat? Should I stay away from red meat or is red meat good for me? I'd be doing all that stuff right now. Um, so in, in wrapping up, I want to ask you this. So okay. the other day, Luis Castillo with the Mariners, yes. he'd been getting hit on his change up and his slider a little bit. <clears throat> so he starts the game the other day. 47 straight fastballs out the gate for the first five innings. He did not throw a breaking pitch. 47 straight heaters. Have you ever had anybody play that cat and mouse game with you when you were playing? Yes. And uh, we talked about Pedro Martinez, his brother Ramon, when he was with the L.A. Dodgers. And he pitched an entire – I think he pitched an entire game with the fastball. And it was like (laughs) – you're not going to throw me another one, are you? Yeah, I am. A- another guy that would do it on a consistent basis was a David Wells. Uh, Wells would, yeah. early in my career, I got the best of him. Man, I, I took him deep. I, it seemed like I always had good ABs against David. And he started, let's say, first at bat, fastball away. I hit one in the gap for a double the other way. He'd start coming back, first pitch, fastball away. And I'd look at him like, what are you doing? You know what happened last time I did it. And he'd throw me another one. And now I'm 0-2 and I'm going, what is he doing? But he started to do stuff with me. I found that the pitchers that were thinking with you, thinking, almost getting into your brain, Harold, like, what's Booney thinking? Yeah. And then I'm going to go there. What did I do last about? Well, he, <laughs> I hung a curveball. He hit a home run. So my next at bat, his next at bat, I know he's not looking for the curveball. So I'm going to hang a curveball. The guys that I found would would think that deep with you were the guys that I would sit there going, stop thinking with me. Yeah, you know? yeah. I hated catchers that would think with me. Jason Veritek <laughs> would think with me and almost like look at me in between pitches with his mask up and go, you weren't looking for that, were you? Yeah. Now, now the chess mass really, really uh, is on, and and that was that's what makes the game great. That's that's that's, that's what that's what I live for. Um, I remember Tom Candiotti threw the knuckleball right, but he threw me a curveball. Curveball, yeah. 
like, hold the time out. You're supposed to throw that knuckleball. What are you doing? I faced him all the way back to AAA. And and he started, when we got to the big leagues, he started throwing curveballs to me on timeout. What are we doing here? Fun yeah. time. Fun stuff. A few questions for you. I'll let you go. Uh, I, I'm going to rapid fire to you. All right. Um, these Mariners recently, unbelievable what we watched uh, recently. What went wrong in San Diego and New York total, Mets and Yankees? And uh, is Baltimore for real? Go. The Orioles are for real. I love the fact their young players are talented. They did not miss on the top picks. You can't miss. That's how you build an organization. You got to get those guys right. They've done that. The Yankees, I just don't think they're good. They're, 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 to be the Yankees, you look out on the field, it should be nine all-stars. That's how it's always been. They don't have it. Judge went down. I get it. But you look around the diamond, they're, they're not a very well put together team. That's how I look at the Yankees. The Mets, they just never got out the gate. You know, I just felt like they never got out of the way. Verlander started the season on the IL, then he came back. Scherzer got injured. Scherzer got suspended. Uh, you know, they just didn't, they never got going. And that was the Mets. And so they had to make the moves. I think they did. We'll see what happens next year. And then the Mariners, the best thing that Jerry DePoto did was not making moves at the trade deadline and keeping that team together and saying, all right, we're going to give you a shot to break out of it. Even though I'm not convinced he was thinking that way, he was kind of looking to 24, but they turned it around. And the biggest turnaround for me with the Mariners is Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he changed his swing midseason. Instead of shooting everything to right field every pitch, he started getting the fastball in or the ball inside and pulling it and open up his whole field and his whole swing. And as he goes, so do the Mariners. Well, that's good. Harry, game 162, there's always drama every year. Crystal ball, what's the drama going to be on game 162? What's going to be decided? Who's that last team getting into the postseason? I'm with you. I think the Mariners, Rangers, and Astros – are all going to be lining up at the end to see where they all fall in the pecking order of the postseason. And it's going to affect the Blue Jays. Do they get in? Um, I really think the American League is what to watch. That's where the action is going to be at. Well, Harold Reynolds, I appreciate it. Uh, and you'll be, for all you watching the Boom Podcast, check out Harold uh, MLB Network where he's been a long time, done a great job face of that network. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. Um, this this was great. For those out there watching the Boone Podcast, listening to the Boone Podcast, I appreciate it. We'll see you next time.